Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bubbles, and welcome back to the third Sunday of Advent for the week of December 13th. 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig into this week's podcast, and I'm excited, again, as we are in Advent, as we are in this season of preparing, as we are in this trudgery, as we are kind of been walking through this weird year that we've had, and even the last few weeks, just the weird subjects that we've gotten into. I think it's been really fun to kind of be talking about listening, being alert, paying attention, and trying to put this stuff all together, especially in this season. And for me, there is a point where how the world is this year. I'm going to challenge you over these next couple weeks, we don't have that much more time until Christmas, to really sit down and ponder and listen and cut the noise and listen for what is your heart honestly trying to tell you? What is God trying to tell you about Christmas? Christmas to me, it's something that we all enjoy. We all have all these traditions about, some of which might not be able to happen this year. And we get so bummed out about it. And the argument that I am making this year, and I've been working on something in my head on something for work, on thinking about that this is going to be the most Christmas-like Christmas ever. Because when we look at the birth story and what Christmas is all about, there wasn't a ton of fanfare. We make the fanfare because we know what the story means. We know what it ends up being. But when Jesus was born initially, we had some shepherds, which we've talked about before, were the lowest of the low who go and meet with him in a stable in this barn with the animals. The wise men came later. There wasn't that much fanfare. There was much more of a calm moment, a subtle moment, something that if blinked could have easily been missed. And when we think about that within the context of where we are within this year, how many things are we blinking and missing? Because we're upset, we're complaining, we're getting frustrated. I know for myself, I can count myself into that situation. I know there's things that I've missed because I've gotten frustrated about the year in which we are in. And so as I kind of begin this podcast, I challenge you to really sit down and listen and think about that first Christmas and what that really was. It was very simple. It was very calm. It was exciting for Mary and Joseph. It was exciting for the shepherds who had had the message told to them, but most weren't there. And in a lot of ways, with many of our sanctuaries probably being closed or having limited capacity or whatever it is, There's an argument to be had that this Christmas is going to be more like that first Christmas than any other in recent memory for sure. So let's jump into last week's Twitter question. The Twitter question from last week was, how well in this time are you listening? Gets kind of into the challenge that I have for you this week. I think a lot of times within the busyness of our lives, especially pre-pandemic, we had a hard time really sitting down and devoting time to listening. And I would argue, are we still filling that time now just with other things as we are in this kind of certain ways a holding pattern as we are waiting for things to change? 
And do we really make time for God to listen? And I know within my own life, there's probably not enough time where I love going toward noise and going toward things that help preoccupy my brain, if you put it that way, so that I don't have to sit and just listen to the silence and try listening for what God has to say. And it's something that we all need to work on in our own personal lives, out in nature, as I argued last week, but all over the place. We really need to be doing that. So let's just jump into it. Our gospel text this week is out of John chapter 1, verses 6 to 8 and 19 to 28. This is really interesting. And I know from sitting in on a text study this last week, there's a lot of pastors that are kind of dreading this being our gospel text this week because it's almost a repeat of what we had last week's out of Mark's gospel, but just now coming from John's viewpoint. So we have John saying, essentially stating here at the beginning that he is sent from God to testify to the light and help others see and believe in the light. And so then we get this jump to where John is in front of the priests and the Levites, you know, leaders of the faith at that time in Jerusalem, asking who he is. And he immediately confesses he is not the Messiah. He is not a prophet. He is not Elijah which the connection to Elijah would have been based off of the clothes that he was wearing that we talked about like last week with having the camel's hair, the leather belt. That would have been, if it was a Halloween at that point, that would have been dressing up as a prophet. But he states that I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, and is proclaiming that I am baptizing people with water, but the one who's coming after me, that I'm not worthy to untie his sandal. So this idea of I am the person to help lead the way. And one of the questions that I had posed to me, and I still can't quite answer, if this is how Jesus came the first time, then wouldn't we expect in some way a voice crying out in the wilderness initially before the second coming? So who, what would that be in this time and in this place? So interesting correlations and things to be thinking about here coming out of the gospel text. The first reading this week is out of Isaiah chapter 61 verses 1 to 4 and 8 to 11. And it's kind of interesting because when you look at these two, there is a huge contrast, in my opinion, about these. Because you have this spot coming out of the beginning here of the people, Isaiah proclaiming that I'm here to help bring the good news. And even though we've gone through oppression, even though we've gone through difficult things, we are still in favor with God. And that in this, he will still come to proclaim his glory. And then flipping that around even further, coming in verse 8 and continuing, that There is this love that God has for us, and then in that, he's trying to help us understand more of who he is, the character of who God is, so that we can rejoice in him, so we can understand his love, so we can understand more of who this person is, 
just like a relationship with any other person, the more we get to know them, the more we care about them, the more we then are able to better understand and the more we're able to, in our own relationships, give. The more that we start telling this person and trusting with that person and that's where we start getting almost this relationship quality and that there's this desire within God to better understand and have us better understand who God is. The psalm this week is Psalm 126. There is six verses to this. And again, this is kind of talking about the restoring of a time gone by and bringing forth the joy that God brings as this all happens and realizing that we might have hard times now, but when those hard times are happening, realize that there will still be times of joy that are coming, that out of this life will come. The second reading this week is from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 24. Now quickly, before we jump into this short reading here, we have to recognize that this is Paul writing to people here and they have been going through, they've gotten persecution, they've had some difficult, hard times. But I'm actually going to read this to you because I think it's something to really soak in, especially in this time. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise the words of prophets, but test everything, hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every evil. May the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and soul and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do this. This is how Paul ends this letter. After the persecution, the rough stuff that the church is going through, the hard times, there's questioning on if they're doing things right. Instead of just turning that around here at the end and continuing to belittle that point, just pound in that point, Paul gives us this whole different side of realizing that, yes, when all this difficult stuff is going on, rejoice, pray, Give thanks. Listen for the Spirit. Be willing to look for God in everything that goes on. Because in that, that the body and the mind and the Spirit will be renewed. Really interesting thing, and this is going to be really fun this week as we look at how faith and science come together. But before we can do that, we have to do our shameless plug. Boom! Working Preacher. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, there is so much over there. I love listening to their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, having four different seminary professors, and especially since I'm not an ordained minister, it gives me a lot of direction to be able to help on this podcast week after week. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Having similar gospel stories back to back. Really interesting, especially at such a short season like Advent, that we would have something like this in year the beginning of year B. What are we actually trying to have said here? I think a couple things. First, it's really easy after looking at Mark's text that we get this idea of an uncivilized, crazy man of John the Baptist. 
we listen to this coming as Mark being the first of the Gospels written, the oldest Gospel. And here we are in John, the newest of the Gospels, and we don't get that image of John. We don't get this crazy man. Instead, we have him conversing and talking with the priests and Levites in Jerusalem, giving answers and sounding very educated, sounding like a civilized human being, that more because of the way that he looked, he's being compared to Elijah. So what does this all mean? Suddenly, our image and understanding of who we're seeing John the Baptist, which it's amazing because in John's gospel, he never refers to himself as that. It's referred to as John. I do baptisms, but I'm not John the Baptist. It's just John. So what does this all mean? From a scientific standpoint, from coming from a scientific background, and how many times we've talked about this before, this is your second test. If this was a scientific experiment, you have Mark running a test saying this is who this person is, and now we have the second account. We now have peer-reviewed journal type of things here. We're having a second account, a second test, a second run through these events. And what is it saying? It's confirming a lot of the things that we heard in Mark's gospel last week. We have this suddenly a little bit of the changing of our understanding of the character, maybe, of how we perceive John to be. Just like an additional test as we learn more about something, it might change some subtle details of how we understand. But yet the main core of what is going on here is the same. So how does this all apply? Well, let's look at, again, some of these additional texts that we have this week to our gospel text. We have the reading out of Isaiah, okay? Two sections, small sections here in Isaiah, where, again, we get the statement of that the Spirit of God is with Isaiah. He's coming, he's talking with the people that, okay, we have gone through oppression, but God still loves us. God still loves us, and he's still willing to do all these things, even though things have gone terribly. But trust me, it's going to get better. And trust me, then, the second half of the text, talking about how when we are going through this stuff, as long as we continue to stick to the path, we will see the blessings. We will see the love. We will rejoice with God as we are understanding and starting to see more of who God is. The more that we are with God and studying God and understanding God, the better we are going to actually understand the character of God and realize that he isn't against us, he is for us. Okay? The psalm. We have this, even though things have gone bad, there will be things that will be better, that there will be this restoration within the nation, right? That things will get better. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy, coming from verse 5. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed for sowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves, verse 6. This complete flip, 
right? When we're going out, even when it's hard, suddenly you have this rejoicing coming back. And here we know with talking about First Thessalonians and what Paul has been talking about in the letter before this point and realizing that they've been going through a lot, that suddenly, boom, this is what you need to do moving forward. Rejoice, pray, give thanks, let the Spirit come in, be willing to work and try to figure out what God is doing. The peace of God will then come in. He doesn't accuse them, call them out, tell them this is what they need to do. He's telling them to continue to walk with God. Really. We have this second test in scripture here. It's essentially a second test to understand who God is, a second account, a second viewpoint, a second understanding of what was going on, making this more a reliable source, right? It's a lot like in doing science. When you're going out in the field, there's times where we're making assumptions, we're going out, we're studying, and the more we're out there, we realize that something is different than what we initially expected. This last week, I had something come across in my email, and I thought it was just absolutely fascinating, and I feel like it does fit in with this decently well. There were some researchers out in the Caribbean looking for a rare whale species, and they had some whales come up next to them. They got the photos, and they have you know their mics down in the water to try to capture any sound that they can. They are super excited because these whales seem super friendly, getting super close to the boat. Awesome. And they thought it was this Pearson's whale that they were looking for, you know, and while this was all going on, they collected water samples, hoping to get some of the cells rubbing off the skin of the whale so that they could continue to do tests to better understand this whale species that they've been looking for. Upon further looking at the pictures and looking at the research, right now, one of the things that they are proposing is that this wasn't Pearson's. This is something even rarer than Pearson's, which is already an endangered whale species. They're saying this might be a new species entirely that's never been documented before, that this is something completely new. They were looking for something, and now because they went out and did this account, look, boom, something new. We are now seeing and understanding the brander scope of what John is in this text. And what is John? John is the person witnessing for Christ. He wants no credit in a lot of ways. It's everything steer toward Jesus. That's what it is. I'm witnessing for this. I am coming as the processional for Christ. Sometimes we need to have something to bring us out there to discover something new. We have this verifying a second account to help us. Yep, these are the events that happen, but this is more the character of who John is. To witness, to proclaim who God and Christ are. And we see that through these texts. Things might be hard, but boom, God's going to still be there, right? We might be going out to look for a whale species, and wow, look, we had something crazy happen because we actually went out there. And it got crazier when we started looking over the data. We found something totally different than what we initially expected. Another one that I, I stumbled across this last week, again, I'll attach these links down below, Tasmanian Devils. 
was having a cancer that was going through the species, hitting about 85% of them. They were figuring because there's such a small pocket of where these Tasmanian devils can live in the world, it was inevitable. These guys are going to disappear. But we had a huge breakthrough for them. They were comparing what they've been going through the last few years to what we've been going through with COVID-19. This whole idea that this is essentially just going to wipe them out because they look like there was no end in sight here. And now as they're doing further research, whenever this was being transmitted one-to-one, they were, looks like they were maybe losing a gene on the cancer cell slowly but surely for everyone that was getting it. Now you're getting a population of Tasmanian devils that have immunity to this cancer and look like then they're going to make it. We spent time to better understand who and what is going on. We kept studying, trying to learn as much as we could, and thought we knew what the end was. We thought we understood what the whole thing was, and it wasn't that. It's changed. It's transformed. It's become something new to us. This text is really important because it does show the main character of who John is. What is John about? And helps us not to just see John as this crazy man out in the wilderness. That John is here to proclaim and be a witness to Jesus. I am the one to prepare the way, to make the way straight for the Lord. I am the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. You know, looking back from last week, to prepare the royal highway. We don't get that here in John's text, but it's that same scripture passage out of Isaiah. Part of why science is peer-reviewed, part of why we do these multiple research is, one, to make sure that we didn't have a faulty test, but two, to make sure that we better understand what is actually going on. We have four Gospels to make sure that we understand what is going on, understand the message, understand that each Gospel was written to a slightly different group of people, but understanding that this is helping us better understand who Jesus is. These back-to-back weeks of having Mark and John going through about the same story helps us better understand who John is and why this is important in preparing us for the light that we get beginning at Christmas. We are preparing for it now. One final thing that I want to talk about a little bit here, and especially with the year that we have had, is looking at specifically the Isaiah text, and the psalm, and even a little bit of what Paul is saying in 1 Thessalonians. It's been hard. There has been, in a lot of ways, if you want to look at our lives, they've been persecuted, kicked, thrown to the side. Everything, in a lot of ways, of what we had known, what we could bank on, has been thrown out the window. And if you look at these texts, that's what it sounds like to me. We're having ashes being spread, which was a sign of deep sorrow coming out of the Isaiah text. Runes, devastation. You start looking into the psalm, and we got, like we talked about, the the weeping to bring shouts of joy, the tears to bring joy, to restore fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in Nebab. We have to remember that in this, and we've seen it within science, like we are seeing with the Tasmanian devil, when things get hard, it's easy for us to give up. When things get hard and we think we know the answer, it's not our role 
to know entirely what is all going on. God can still do things that changes the course of what we thought was going to happen. As we prepare for this Christmas season, and we think about it, for years and generations, the Israelites were expecting a king to come in on a horse and just take out the Roman army. Instead, they get a baby, a baby that isn't radically going and trying to eventually take over things, questions things, makes people ponder things. He doesn't do it by force. It was completely opposite of what they expected. As this year has brought a lot of unexpected and tearing down a lot of what we'd known and we leaves us questioning what does the future bring and what are we in the middle of and are we ever going to see the end of what is going on? We can look to these texts and realize and see that in that, God has always continued to work with his people. That fruit does still come from vines that look dead. The Tasmanian devils recover even when scientists are saying extinction appears inevitable. Don't give up before the story is over. It's easy for us in a lot of ways to have faith now, knowing what we know now. Knowing what we know about Jesus and knowing that this birth was significant. But again, like we talked about in the introduction, we didn't know that at one point. At some point, what we've gone through over the last year will be history. And we be able to look back and realize and see what God is doing. And at this point, we might be able to see glimpses, but we're having a hard time really focusing in. Keep faith. Keep hope. Twitter question this week is, where have you given up prematurely? Where have you given up prematurely? Or where have you judged prematurely? I think this is something that we all wrestle with and all struggle with. That we love putting people into boxes. And this is the way things are. But we know better. We know better that when we do that, it's inevitable that our world is about to be shaken up. And especially when we start doing it with our faith in God. God doesn't like being put in a box. God doesn't like our faith being put into a box. God likes it being all-encompassing of who we are. So as we are wrestling and dealing with these texts, or as we are preparing, as we are listening, staying alert, we have to be making sure that we're not giving up on the preparation prematurely. It is still Advent after all. It is not Christmas yet. So don't give up prematurely. Don't give in too quickly. We are still preparing. And we will until the child is born and until he returns. So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.